You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Open your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 12, and uh, let's go after the Word of God. Father, we love you, and we again tell you that we want to be yours. Father, we want to live with consecrated hearts, set apart for the gospel, followers of Jesus, in an age that is filled with entertainment, in an age that's filled with lusts. In an age where the common way is to be satisfied with a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world. But God, tonight we realign our hearts with the truth of your word to give all, to surrender all, to be set apart, to be totally yours. Holiness unto the Lord. God, we love you. We trust you. Amen. We're talking about having a consecrated heart, and uh, two weeks ago, uh, we talked specifically about avoiding evil. I don't know if you remember that, but we talked specifically about if there's a smorgasbord of evil opportunities in front of you, there's a good chance that you'll engage in, 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 in more. One of the best ways to decrease your temptation is to get rid of some of the options. Last week, we talked about the battle for your mind. And when it comes to being set apart for God, how the, the ideas, the way that you view God, the way that you see God is so vital to living a holy life, to being consecrated and totally His. And tonight, I, I want to talk a little bit about holy living. And when I say and, and, and W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy living, in the sense that giving all that we have as a hint towards holiness. This is, now, tonight's sermon is not a... Um, it's not the secret, it's not uh, the fullness of the message, but in my own journey, I, I believe that this is a hint, this is one idea that if you will get locked into your spirit, and you'll get locked into your mind, it will help you significantly. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Obviously, this is a normal text about giving, and tonight I'm not giving a sermon on giving. That would be foolish to give to college students that have given all their money to pray. We're not talking about giving. But I do want to highlight some concepts that often we would pull out in relation to giving, but I want to talk about them not in relation to giving, but in relation to how we spend our time and our money. If this were about giving, you'd look at this and you'd look at the idea that this widow gave all. She gave to the point of where it hurts. Jesus says, the others gave out of their wealth and out of their abundance. And the idea there is, is that though it may, they may feel it, it probably isn't to the level of where it hurts. But the widow who gives everything, she feels it. The widow who gives everything, gives it to a level where it's actually felt. Now, in 
Jesus' day, a little bit different than our day. They had more beggars than we have. They did have more widows. They had more people that were unable to work for a living due to some physical um, deformity to where they were unable to, to work. But they didn't have any kind of free market society, nor did they have any kind of welfare. So even the dollars that they had or the, the, the money that they possessed was different than us in the sense that there were so many more beggars. There was so much less money. And so even these two coins that this girl does have, that this widow does have, are of so much value to her. And Jesus speaks the highest of the lady that gives everything, of the widow that gives all. Now I want you to imagine the widow's walk from the temple back home. Let's say, I don't even know that she has a home, but let's say that she does have a home and she's returning from the temple and she's just given everything. Imagine the nature of walking past the bread table where people are selling bread and you've already given everything. All you had was two mites. All you had was two coins and she gives, she's already given everything. And so when she walks past the bread table, there's not a question of, should I give this guy my money to get some bread or not? Because she's already given everything. So all, she doesn't have any options. She just walks by. Imagine the nature of walk, walk, walking past the vegetables or the fruit or walking past the guy who's hypothetically, you know, given rides home, you know, the guy on the horse or the guy on the donkey. I mean, you know, rides, you know, for sale. She doesn't have any, she has no way of transportation. She's a widow. She's the poorest of poor. And when you don't have anything to give because you've already given all, it kind of makes the choice easy because... You've got nothing to give. Tonight, I want to contend this. This is a massive hint towards successful holiness in our lives. Imagine the nature of the disciples. They leave everything to follow Jesus. We know the story. We've heard it a million times. A young rabbi from Galilee shows up and whether you're a tax collector like Matthew or a fisherman like Peter, James, and John, and Jesus invites you to follow him, it's in the nature of in the invitation that you give up all to follow. I don't know what it would have been like to be a disciple if Jesus would have just stayed in Galilee. Let's say that he didn't go from city to city. Let's just pretend hypothetically what would have happened if he would have stayed in Galilee, set up shop, and just said, hey, come be my followers from nine to five. <laughs> well, the nature of the tug of war within the heart of Peter, who does have a wife, who does have children, who was a successful fisherman, or James and John, without a doubt, sons of Zebedee, we know that they were successful. They had workers that worked for them. In that society, if you had workers that worked for you, you were wealthy. James and John, let's say that they stay in Galilee, there would be a little bit of a struggle, more of a struggle than let's follow the young rabbi, leave our homes, leave our nets, leave our families, leave everything to follow. When you think about the process, I wonder if, it ever, if they were ever tempted to go back to what they used to know. You know, I wonder if Matthew ever thought, maybe I'll just go back to being a tax collector. I mean, we think and so much of the glory days of following Jesus. And there were those. I mean, there were the days where 
5,000 people are fed good day, you know? There, there, there are the days where it's really, really exciting. But imagine being the disciples in some of the more awkward moments when you've left all to follow God, left all to follow Jesus. I, I think about the moment in Matthew 8, when Jesus is teaching, you're one of his disciples, you've left your home, you've left your family to follow him, and he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nets, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Imagine Matthew, the tax collector, thus probably coming from a fairly wealthy position prior to leaving all to follow Jesus, looking over at, you know, Thomas going, does that mean we're never going to have beds? And Thomas going, undoubtedly, that's true. Rocks are our pillows from this day forward. You know, I I wonder if you ever had the thought, you know, things were nicer back before I left everything to follow him. Another funny moment maybe would be Matthew 10. Uh, let me just read it for you. This is, Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples for a while, and he gives them these words. He gives them this command. Look at this. uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother comes and says, hey, Lies to him. Why can't you be like more like God? Why can't get him to sin? Pleasures of the planet. All of a sudden, the people that possessed everything, now they've got a battle on their hands. They choose to sin. And now what happens? Now they're looking at, well, I thought it was good to eat and I chose to do it. And prior to sin, there's no battle. But post-sin, there's a battle. There's a battle over the very things that moments before sinning were good. Are you with me? And now there's the overabundance of this battle going on. But who we are is, Rico, when Jesus stepped onto the planet and he died on the cross and he redeemed us to follow him forever and ever, then we just go Matthew 16, 24, hey, Anyone who come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I've left all to follow. I've left all. And when you get that all in your spirit, suddenly the, 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 the tentacles reaching out for the things of the age start to get smaller and shrivel back because nothing's yours. Your dollars aren't yours. Your time's not yours. All is Christ. All. 2 Corinthians 6.10 Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speaking, and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the hand, in the right hand, and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on. <laughs> Beaten and yet not killed. Oh my. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. Having nothing. Oh. Yet possessing everything. We say that again. Having nothing. But yet possessing everything. 
And that's the privilege of the Christ follower. We have nothing. We have nothing. But because we have nothing of this age, we have everything in the age to come. Because we have nothing in the lusts of this world, we have everything in our Redeemer who one day will split the sky and return and come after a bride, holy, set apart, without spot or wrinkle. That's us. We make decisions every day that demonstrate what He's done in our lives. We go, that's me. That's what I signed up for. That's the choice that I made. I made it 10 years ago when I got saved at a tag retreat. And I make it again today when I'm 24 years old and a student at UCCS for the last six years. (laughs) And probably three more. (laughs) Are you with me? And that's the choice that we make day after day. But when you get that in your heart, when you get that in your spirit, that you've already given all. You made the choice. I'm giving him all of my coins. You know, that's the other great thing about this widow. It wasn't like Jesus looked at the rich guy who gave all. He looked at the lady who had nothing. I mean, two coins. If we were to put that into dollars and time, you know, and that kind of stuff, that means the people that have no money today, that means the people who don't know what their future's like, that means the people that feel a bit aimless, that means that they feel unattractive. It is us. (laughs) Right? In our weakness, our brokenness, our averageness, If that's a word, we go, I gave all to Christ. And because we have locked in our head and in our heart, I have nothing, Christ is everything. I have nothing, Christ is everything. I have nothing, Christ is everything. Then when the lusts of the age say, come do this, it's easier just to walk on by. I have nothing. I already gave it. Christ is all. Hey, come on. Come on, come watch watch this movie that though it be rated PG-13 and... Somebody else says it's fine, but you know it will spark lust in your spirit or greed in your spirit. You just walk on by. Christ is all. Or the girl that you're dating continues to take it where you know it ought not, ought not go. Christ is everything. You hold nothing on me. Christ is all. I possess nothing. The lust of the age will not. I already surrendered it. I already put my coins in the box. I already made the choice. I already stepped over the line. I made that choice 10 years ago and I make it again today. And I make it again tomorrow. I make it again the next day. There is no freeze frame. Battle's over. Welcome to happy Christian journey. Smile Chuck E. Cheese's life. It is every single day. (laughs) Did you hear him? Dying yet we live on. Welcome to an exciting message tonight. I'm telling you, there's so many days that that is our journey where we just go, ah, I've surrendered all. And I keep pressing. I keep choosing. I have nothing. Christ is all. I have nothing. Yet in here, in here, I possess do you know who I am? Do you know what I have? Uh, Ephesians 2, 6 says that um, he's enthroned and uh, I'm going to be seated with him in the highest places and uh, uh, there's nothing that the world holds on me. I possess nothing but in here 
you know that I can lock in and have communion with the one who created the earth? And um, I can say, money holds nothing on me, but do you know that I'm going to sit with him on his throne? So your $5,000 looks like trash to me compared to what I possess in another age. And um, the lusts that go on in my generation between uh, sexual uh, advancement of immorality, I may that not have any hold on me because do you know who I am in eternity? Do you know that I, I, I literally am going to rule and reign with the God of the ages? And, and, and do you know that I'm going to like literally be a friend of God today and in eternity? And the one who loves me far more than that lust-eyed filled boyfriend is the one who has possesses perfect love for me and one day is returning for me this holds nothing on me I possess nothing nothing is mine I got nothing I mean the house isn't mine or sorry the dorm isn't mine the the <laughs> for some of you the paycheck for some of you the allowance isn't mine the credit card that mom gave me for an emergency isn't mine. Christ is all. Christ is all. And in this journey, if you can lock in with that, I have nothing. I'm dead. So Paul says, I die every day, brothers. I mean that. If you go, I'm dead. I'm dead. It is easier. It is easier to walk through the day set apart for the gospel because you know who you are beaten, yet we live on. I think there's a real glory to that. I know we live in a day where much of what we hear from pulpits is that when we choose God, our life gets bigger, better, and better. I'm not bigger, better, or better. I just know I press on. I press on. When I think about the rewards of this life, I don't get that thrilled. I have to be motivated by the rewards of eternity. Christ is all. You possess nothing. You've left it all. There's no turning back. Stand with me. You know, I was talking to a youth pastor a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know why I love desperation, David? I said, why? He goes, because it's like seven sessions of just like reminding my kids over and over and over who they are. And he goes, you guys just have worship and then, and then preach and then worship and then pray. And it's just like, gah, 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 gah. and after three days, my kids can't help but love God. He's obviously joking a little bit, but I believe that that realistically, that's what we're committed to having this couple years in the furnace look like. Is getting back in each other's face and getting these ideas and just re-ingraining them in our heads over and over and over again. Get it in our heads. Yeah. I've got nothing. Christ is all. The temptations that I, that I have, man, they're so small compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, for whose sake I have lost all things. Jesus, we love you tonight. We're just little 20-year-olds 
wanting to love you. Wanting to be authentic followers, 2008. Holy Spirit, we need your strength. Our own resolve falls so short. Our determination gets so diluted. But Holy Spirit, by your strength, you will give us the grace and the empowerment to re-sign up for holiness every day. To re-sign up to be wholly yours. And we're thankful for every blessing that you give us, God. We're thankful for everything that you give us. But we've decided, we've, de- we've determined in our hearts that whether we experience the blessings or whether we experience the sacrifices, we've given all. And we choose it again today. We give all. We give everything to you. We give everything. Our lives in the morning, our lives in the afternoon, our lives in the evening, our lives at night and at late night, while we sleep, our dollars, every resource base, every relationship. God, we just, we want to do this thing right. We want to do this thing that brings honor and glory to you because we love you. Not because we're consumed with trying to legalistically find you, but rather because we're lovesick and we love God and we want to do it the way you told us to do it. We got one shot on the earth. We want to do it right, God. May it be true of us. We followed hard after you. We press on to take hold of the prize. We want to know Christ. We want to know the power of your resurrection. Oh, we want to be yours, God. And we say it with our words in our prayer meetings. We say it with flowery words when our hearts feel so distant. But God, even when our hearts feel distant... Those words are the resolution, the determination of our heart. And we realign again. Privately we realign. Publicly we realign. In the church, around other people we realign. In the workplace, over and over and over again. We sign up again and again and again to be set apart. We don't want the lusts of the present age to infiltrate our spirit, man. We want greed to be so far from us. We want anger, bitterness to be so distant. We want lust and pride and fear to not even stick to us. And we can't do it on our own. We can't do it with resolve. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need you, Jesus. We live in a battle and we need your power and we need your spirit and we need you now. All of us know our weaknesses. All of us know our sin. All of us know how often we're prone prone to look like the world. God, your word says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God, we want them to see you because we radiate the light of Jesus.
We want a broken world that's given to the lust of the age, that doesn't understand why, not in, in, engage and indulge in the, in the present era. God, we want them to see in us motivation from another world. We want to be resident aliens on planet Earth. Strangers to the lust of this world. Oh, we want to be yours. Oh, we want to be holy. Set us apart tonight. Set us apart. We love you, 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 God. We love you. We love you. Just sing your song to the Lord. This isn't church. It's a discipleship program. You're, you're signed up. We're going after God together. This isn't voluntary, join in if you want to type easy, pleasy, sneezy stuff, man. This is like, we're followers. We're going to go after God in the dry times and the anointed times. We're going to go after God when we feel like it and when we don't feel like it. We're going to go after God because He's worthy, not based on our emotion. We're coming after you. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.